new beginnings is really what I want us uh, to focus on. <clears throat> and we're going to start that today. We're going to be looking at that. Just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were looking at the story of the prodigal son. And that story is a really good illustration for us um, in how God looks at his people, his children, at their waywardness and their sort of ability to wander off to do their own thing. Because it, it reminds us that God never stops loving us. It reminds us that he never stops holding on to the hope that we will go back to him. It reminds us that he won't ever come and force us to go back. A really important part of that whole story is that the father doesn't come searching and insisting that the son returns. He just faithfully waits, hopeful. He doesn't go and capture them or chain them up or force them to come back to the family home. He lets them wander. But all the time that they're wandering, they're living in the promise that he's already shown them and in the prayers that he's still raising. That when they return, he will welcome them and he will return to them too. And that story really is a great example. It's something we've been using in in Super Seekers as well as just trying to remind children of the faithfulness of God. This passage at the beginning, in the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Ido. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at this book. It's probably not one, again, that we've, you've looked at often yourselves. It's probably not a favorite personal Bible study. But what about Zechariah? Why would we want to look at him? What do we know about him? So this, this book in the Old Testament was written sometime about 500 years before Jesus. So it's right at the end, really, of the Old Testament period. Zechariah himself was a prophet, and we know that he comes from a priestly family, that his, his own descendant or his own descendancy is, is through an ascension of, of priests and the priestly line in Israel. And in it, we discover he brings God's word through lots of uh, messages and prophecies and, and his visions. Uh, and he brings this word to them at a strange time for a prophet, really. It's a time when Israel has returned home after exile. They've come back. They're back in the land that God has promised them. Um, and it's generally, it's quite a difficult book to read, but really written into it and hidden in it and sometimes very obvious are words of encouragement but also words of challenge for the people and Zechariah in this book reminds the people above all that whatever they think they might be doing God is in control and that kind of is the overarching sort of essence of what the book is about So over the next five or six weeks, maybe a bit longer because there's a few things in between, uh, we're going to look at how this this book speaks to us about the themes of grace and forgiveness and really gives us some insight into the character of God. We're going to look at his faithfulness. It's a characteristic of God that he is a faithful God. What God says will happen, will happen. What God promises will come to be. Everything about God is rooted in his faithfulness. And he has a faithfulness 
to us that he has said he will redeem us from whatever we've done in our lives through Jesus Christ. He will redeem us and he will restore us. And that's such a, a beautiful, incredible promise that God has made to you and to me and to people across the world in all time. Not only is he going to do that, as he, as he redeems us and he restores us, he says he's going to make us holy in that restoration. He's going to give us a new beginning. And the truth is that what we see as we go through Zechariah, but as we look through the Old Testament, and we know in our own lives that it's not just once that God has to give us a new beginning. For some of us, that new beginning happens again and again and again, because we'll come back to God, and then we'll go off and do our own thing again. And yet, because of God's faithfulness, we're promised, we're guaranteed, without any doubt, that God will welcome us home, he will forgive us, he will restore us as he redeems us in Jesus. He'll make us one again with him. That's what I want us to look at through the next couple of weeks. So let's start with this. We serve a God who makes all things new. We serve a God who makes all things. He is the God of creation, but he is also the God of continuing recreation. He holds our world, which is a good job because we learn early on in our relationship with God that he gave it into our hands to be stewards of it. And if we stop just for a moment and look at whether we've done a very good job of that or not, it's a really good job that God himself still holds all of creation in his hands. Because if it was left to us, there really wouldn't be very much of it to enjoy. God is the God who makes all things and makes all things new. He is the God of new beginnings in our lives. He's the God that offers new starts. And right at the beginning of this passage, at the first chapter we read these, these opening words, and this is the theme that runs through this morning, but through the next few weeks. Return to me, declares the, the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Return to me, and I will return to you. This is God's promise to you, to me, to the people that Zechariah was speaking to then. But why, why does God need to say this? Surely we know that. We know that this is the truth, that God wants to forgive us and draw us back to him. Why is God doing that? Well, the, the point is, we're kind of looking at a time, as I said, when the people of Israel had come home. They'd been in exile. So we might be thinking, well, what, why is God saying, return to me? They've already come home. They're back where they belong they're building the city again. They're rebuilding temple walls and things like this. They're about a new beginning in a, in a very specific kind of way. But the problem was, what God saw in his people though, was that although they had come back to the land that he had promised them, he wasn't calling them physically. He was having to call them spiritually. They'd come back but in their busyness of getting on with rebuilding and, and sort of re-establishing their lives and their homes and their families, they were busy, 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 being God's people, and yet they'd kind of forgotten their relationship with him. He'd become a little bit in the background, or not at all, perhaps. 
They became so focused that they'd forgotten about their God and the fact that he was the provider of everything they had. He was the provider of their salvation, their rescue, and they were just lost. And so God says, come back to me. I need you to come back to me. Not to the land or to your home or to the job or the family. I need you to come back to me. And Zechariah, whose name means, literally means the Lord remembers, goes about through his prophecies seeking to help them to remember God. And he, he starts this by calling them to return first to God. He says this, he says, the Lord was very angry with your ancestors. Do not be like your ancestors to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. But they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. God was tired of the rebellion that his people showed him again and again. It's a story we see repeated over and over again. And though they'd heard his warnings in the past, they'd really refused to listen to what it was he, he needed them to do. They refused to listen when he told them to stop. And so, if we go back a little bit, if we were to go back uh, and see about the, the time that Zechariah is talking to about these people's uh, ancestors, then we'd find that God had disciplined the people. He took away their nice homes when they were burned to the ground. He took away their homeland when they were carried off to Babylon. He took away their freedom as they became slaves. Now I think sometimes we struggle with the idea of, of this kind of angry God that would allow these things to happen or, or even create the opportunity for them to happen. Why would the God that we think is a loving God do this to his people? But there's a significant difference, I think, between indiscriminate anger and righteous anger. The kind of indiscriminate anger that we see in the world and perhaps we sometimes exhibit ourselves against people and righteous anger. And it's important we recognize that along with love and grace and mercy and forgiveness, God also has anger, righteous anger. See, God had demonstrated to his people over and over again that he loved them. The demonstration of his love is a constant through the whole of the Bible, ultimately demonstrated in Jesus. But he shows his people over and over again that he loves them and he is committed totally to them. And he is committed to this bringing them back to him. He'd made promises to his people and he had always upheld his part of the promises of the covenant of this relationship that he'd established between him and them. But the problem was, although God had upheld every part of his promise, the people hadn't upheld their part. And that promise only works, that covenant only works when both parties stick to their, their part of the agreement. And there were expectations that God had of his people in this promise, in this covenant. And those expectations... They really weren't that tasking. They, God expected his people to have just one God. 
Seems quite reasonable, really. He expected that not only would they have one God, but that they would seek God in their lives. He expected that they would have one God, they would seek him, and then they would choose to serve him with their lives. And he had an expectation that in their service, they would worship one God. That was his expectation of them. Put that alongside what God offered, forgiveness, grace, mercy, love, joy, peace, everything that God offered, that was all he expected of them. And yet, they failed over and over again. And everything that the people had, everything they'd ever had, came from the goodness of God and God's fulfilling of that that promise, that covenant that he'd made with them. Everything they had was from God and was connected to that relationship. And so when the people forgot the covenant or ignored the covenant, when they ignored those promises and those expectations that God had of them, then it was only reasonable But those blessings that God had poured into their lives were taken away. See, I think one of the problems we have is often... God's people want his blessings, but they don't want the responsibility that goes with them. They don't want to have to put their part in. And when God withdraws those blessings because we've been disobedient or we've wandered off and we're doing our own thing, they're saying, hang on a minute, I thought God was a God of love. What's this going on in my life now? Why would God do this to me? And we don't want to fulfill part of our relationship with God and that covenant relationship. We need to realise that there will be consequences. Anyway, the new generation has come home. The next generation is back in the land and Zechariah holds up in front of them their ancestors as an example. He says, where are your ancestors now? And the prophets, do they live forever? He wants them to realize that whoever's gone before, their lives are brief compared to the life, the existence of God. But did not my words and my decrees, which I commanded my servants of prophets, overtake your ancestors? They've come and they've gone, but the words that my prophets spoke to you, they're here still. They remain. Everything that I promised, everything that I said, is still the same and still will be. Look around them, he says. Just look around. Where have your families gone? Where have your fathers gone? Your ancestors. What happened to them when they disobeyed? Everything that God said would happen, happened. See, God doesn't just do that kind of human thing where he makes an agreement with somebody, and then when it goes wrong, he then suddenly decides to work out a punishment. God sets out what would happen if the agreement didn't get followed. Makes it clear what will happen if we don't follow him. He doesn't add it on later without warning us. That's kind of what we would do. Someone upsets us, someone makes an agreement, breaks the promise, then we search for a way to sort of punish them. That's not what God's doing. It's not punishment, it's just the reality of the agreement that was made with his people. If you seek me, if you serve me, if you worship me, if you follow one God, this is what you will receive in blessing. If you choose the other way, this is what you will get. And when we get that, 
We don't have a right to turn around and moan at God about it. He made it very clear what the consequence of choosing not to follow him was. It's not an add-on. It's not a later thought. It's there. It's set out black and white. And he says, Zechariah says to the people, will you take a lesson? Will you learn from what you see in the history of your ancestors? Or are you going to repeat what they did? I can, I can imagine God speaking to Zechariah saying, I know what's going to happen. They're going to do it again because this is what they do. They just do it again. Time and time again they go, oh God, we forgot. Sorry God, we'll come back to you and we'll worship you and then they're off again doing their own thing. And then they're all up in arms because exactly what God told them would happen has happened. He says, do you not realize God's grace and God's love will last forever? But you have to be living in that promise, in that covenant, to realize it. Zachariah says, I'm not going to be around forever to keep reminding you, but God's promise will be there forever. What God has set out to be, will be. I read something when I was putting this together that said, the only reason some people exist is to serve as a bad example for others. Have you met any of them? (laughs) Maybe it's true. Will we learn, as Zechariah asks the people that he's talking to now, will we learn Will we look back on this story and, and learn from what we've seen in the past, from our own mistakes, from the mistakes of God's people? Will we learn from that? Will we, will we learn from the mistakes or will we just do the same again? Will we learn from our mistakes? Will we learn about what it's like to come back to God and find his forgiveness and his restoration? Or will we just do it again? After all, the truth is that we need to be reconciled with God completely too. Often, our lives, our choices take us away from the plan God has. We get distracted, perhaps, by cares and concerns of our lives, of the world, by our jobs, by our homes, by our bank accounts, perhaps, by trying to satisfy all those worldly things, and we forget about God in the day-to-day. We might turn up on a Sunday and spend an hour listening to somebody preach and saying some prayers and singing some songs, but for most of the rest of the week, we forget about God. He becomes less than a priority, less than a defining part of our lives. If we can, we'll fit him in now and again. If there have been times in your life when you felt distance from God, and I've, I've had this experience myself at times, let me tell you, 100% guaranteed there's only one person who's responsible for that distance. And I'll give you a clue. It's not God. If you find yourself feeling that you're somehow there's a gulf between you and God, it'll be you. Now, I'm not saying that to get, you know, be unpleasant. I'm just saying that's the truth. God wants to stay close to you. God didn't want his... In, in that story of the prodigal, he didn't want his son to leave. He wasn't going to chase him. He wanted above everything for his son to stay with him. 
The son had to make that decision. The son had to realize what it was that he was leaving behind and come back to be greeted by the father. It may not be that we've walked away from God, that we've had that sort of slammed door, packing everything into a suitcase and heading off out of home, vowing that we'll never speak to each other again sort of thing. Maybe that, that might be a reality for some of us in some ways. But maybe, just like that, that can happen between parents and children where something blows up and up they get and pack up and off they go. And before you know it, a couple of weeks have gone by and there's been no phone calls and there's been no contact and it's just broken. So that's how our relationship can, can end up like that with God too. It might not be quite so dramatic, but we can suddenly wake up one morning and find ourselves wondering, when was the last time I spoke to God? When was the last time I went to church? Or even, when was the last time I went to church and meant it? I went there for the right reason. When was the last time I sang songs of worship and truly meant them? When was the last time I was close to God? Not because I've been rebellious, just because my life has just been distracted by the world. whether it's dramatic or slow, and I think sometimes slow is even worse because we don't see it happening to ourselves. Our strained relationships with God will always be our fault, not his. And as Zechariah says to the people, we deserve God's response. We deserve God's anger if we choose to turn our backs on everything that he's done for us and promised us and made real through Jesus Christ. We deserve him to be a father that slams the door and says, good riddance. But the wonder of God, the amazing truth about God, is that's not how he deals with his children. He's not like us. He doesn't have a temper. He doesn't do tantrums. He doesn't get jealous and angry and bitter. Not in that way. Because the Lord remembers that he made a promise and he's never going to break it. Never going to go back on it. He's faithful. There's a good old word that we don't use often, steadfast. He stands on what he made a promise about. His love never ends. And he doesn't forget us. He doesn't forget his people. No matter what we're doing, he never stops loving us. Even if he allows the consequence of our actions to, to, to overtake us, when those things happen in our lives that seem wrong and are hurtful and painful and difficult, not because God made them so, but because he warned us that would be the consequence of not following him, it doesn't mean he stopped loving us. It's because he still loves us that we've got a chance to get out of it. We've got a chance to get back to him. Therefore, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Come home, is God's message to the people through Zechariah. Come home. Come back to where you belong. You know that I'm going to welcome you with open arms. You know I'm waiting for you. Come back. Accept what you've done wrong. Repent. 
Turn away from those things, those choices that you've been making in your life. Come back to me. You know that I'll be there for you, that I will return to you. So today we have to reflect on our lives. We have to reflect on maybe our apathy to God's words. Perhaps the negligence that we've had in our lives about communicating with God, keeping close to him, on our sins. And perhaps now is the time just to reflect on that and think about how wayward we've been. God wants us to return to him. We might sit here thinking, well, I'm already there, David. Honestly, I'm there. Wholly, completely, fully, totally without blemish, without one part of my life that isn't still in need of being fixed. Let's just pray for a minute. Let's just reflect on that for a second. Just reflect on, where am I with God right now? Have I loved God with all my heart? Am I loving God with all my heart right now? Am I eager to to, to read his word, to receive his word? Am I patient in the things that are happening in my life that perhaps I'm not comfortable with? Am I patient? knowing that God has a plan and a purpose. Are there things in my life where I have demonstrated disobedience to God? Have I been too proud about things or maybe unforgiving towards others, that people that have hurt me or upset me? Do those things mar my relationship with God right now? Have there been times when my motives have been selfish? When my choices have been driven by being lazy? Have I been jealous of others? Of things I see around me? Have I wanted, desired what others have had? Have I been the cause of quarrels? and difficulties? Has it been me? Have there been times when I've lied, deceived to get what I want, to persuade others, or even to try and persuade God? Maybe I've taken something, justified taking it, but it's not mine to take. Perhaps it's somebody's name I've taken by sharing it in a bad way with somebody, saying something bad about somebody, gossiping, and taken their name and misrepresented them. See, when I realize the potential for things to go wrong in my life, Father, I know that I need to come back to you. Not just once, not just occasionally, but time and time again, 
and say, Father, forgive me because I have sinned and I want to turn from those things. I want to acknowledge right now that there are things in my life that still separate me from being completely reunited with you in Jesus. And God, I want that wholeness in my relationship and I want to let go of those things. I want to surrender myself and them to you. I want to say, Father, forgive me. I want to come home. Father, I stand on your promises and your love and your forgiveness. Father, I pray for your mercy for each one of us here this morning. In Jesus' name. Something strikes me about that little passage in Zechariah there. He says this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Who do you think he wants us to remember? The Lord Almighty. Zechariah is saying, this isn't me that's come up with this idea, guys. This is God. And he just says it over and over again. God. Teachers, how do you get people to remember something in school? Say over and over again. Get it stuck in their heads. The Lord Almighty is saying to you, come home. Return to me, and I will return to you. The Lord, a God of faithful, steadfast, never-ending love, remembers us, remembers you, and he never stops loving you. Off to good duties there. See, the prodigal son came home eventually. The story of the prodigal son is not that he left, it's that he came home and God was waiting for him. Years later, after all that rebellion against his earthly father and against God, he returned to them both and both forgave him of everything that he'd done against them. Everything. And they welcomed him home with open, loving arms, embracing him with joy and celebration. Not with recriminations or, well, we'll see how it goes for a couple of weeks and, uh, you know, if you behave yourself, then open arms, total love. And that's our story, really. Even if you've never literally left home or been estranged from your earthly family, we've all got to be reconciled with our Heavenly Father. Because God remembers us. He remembers what we've done, but he also remembers what he promised, and in Jesus, he satisfied that promise forever, for all of us, for eternity. God's word assures us that Jesus has done everything that was needed to make sure that we could have total forgiveness for everything, that he is God's perfect sacrifice perfect in righteousness and holiness, everything. And when we return to God in repentance, then God will return to us with assurances that it's okay now. When we return to him and we confess what it is we know he knows we know, you know that, don't you? God knows that you know that he knows. And he 
returns to us in forgiveness. No questions, just simple forgiveness. When we return to him, when we seek his favor, when we seek the goodness that he promises, God says, you've had it all along. You just forgot it. You just walked away from it. It's always been yours because of Jesus. You don't have to ask again because I promised you in the very beginning it was all yours. And it always will be. And yes, we might still suffer some of the consequences of our actions, of the bad choices that we've made. That's life. There are consequences to the things that we do to ourselves and to other people. And that's why the world looks the way it does. But just as Zachariah said here, maybe sometimes we need to confess to God this. The Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and our practices deserved. Just as he determined to do. He didn't make up a punishment when we got back. He made it very clear what the consequences would be if we choose a different life. But we can rejoice that he welcomes us home. We don't get the full punishment that our sins deserve because of Jesus Christ. We get forgiveness and joy. And so the encouragement from Zechariah all that time ago, two and a half thousand years ago, to the people then was, seek God, come back to him. And it's the same message today. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We don't need to go searching for all the other stuff because God has promised it to us already as long as we do the first bit. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. So rejoice. I don't know whether it sounded like encouragement this morning or a challenge, but it is encouragement. Though you might have wondered yesterday, this morning, in your mind whilst I've been talking to you, God says, come home. He says, return to me. And I will return to you. Perhaps it's time this morning to go home.